Hello and welcome to the show that, frankly, is just surprised he could even spit that far. On today's show, Matt Stanger has been everywhere. Well, he's been to Accrington and Blackburn, but that's still pretty good. We've almost covered every football league club now, so if you're a Hull, Blackpool or Morecambe fan, your wait is finally over. We'll be looking at your clubs imminently. We'll have all the usual stuff. Joey Crilliam from William Hilliam, the Fan League, the Rambling Histories, the Anthemic Music. It's all on the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. Hello, everyone. Caroline Barker. That hello was kind of that, that jolly one you do to your parents when they're waving you off on the coach. Do you think so? Yeah. Where were they waving you off to, Caroline? I think I went to Derbyshire did you on want a field to go? trip. I did, but not twice. See, I went up a year at school and then was held back a year at school, so oh. I got to do the trip twice. Oh, that's just disappointing. It is, isn't it? Matt, were you ever held back a year at school? I was held back several years at yes. school. <laughs> we have got the BBC in the building today, Caroline, so I want you both to remember you're not just representing yourselves, you're representing your schools, even the ones you were held back a year in. Performance of the week, then. Um, Matt, who did you go for? I went for Aston Villa's thumping 4-1 victory against Wolves. Well, you were backed up 53%. Even my push for Accrington only got 27%. Uh, Joe Crilly went for Hull, only got 12%. And producer Ben standing in for producer Tyre went for Peterborough with a miserly 8%. No love for Steve Evans out there. So uh, congratulations, Aston Villa. Hell of a performance, wasn't it? Did you see it? Congratulations, Matt, surely. <laughs> It'd give you something to cling to. Did you see the game? I did see the game, yeah. They were fantastic. They really they, were, the second half. They? Are Wolves going to blow this? We'll see, won't we? The Wolves wobble continues. Seven uh, you're points. Stealing Seven. my roundup right up here. <laughs> Caroline, what do you think? Is, are they just trying to make it Don't a little more exciting? Don't give it the we'll see. What do you actually think? <gasps> no, I don't think Wolves will blow it, no. Look at yeah, Caroline with her presenter chops. Uh, sorry, <laughs> apologies. No. Uh, again, second time already. It's, it's the only way I'll learn. Four words in. <laughs> I think they'll be all right, Wolves. But yeah. when you look at it, Aston Villa, Fulham, who I love, are a thing of beauty, are going to run them in. I think they've got the best run in as well. So uh, there, there might be another wobble. Did I just dodge it too? No, I think they'll be all right. OK. All right. Well, time for news in brief because it's been led by Wolves. Hit that music, producer Ben. Wolverhampton Wanderers chairman Jeff Shee has hit out at his rival championship chairman, calling them laughable. In an exclusive interview with The Express and Star, Shee responded to the news that complaints have been made by Aston Villa and Leeds, amongst others, about the influence of George Mendes on Wolves' transfer policy. I'm the chairman of the club, so I can understand the pressure, he said. We're the guys facing pressure from fans and the league, and I can understand releasing pressure on Twitter. On the other hand, I think, frankly, it's laughable. They know nothing about us. I know everything about us and our club and what we're doing. I know everything about the rules of the league and the FA, and the AFL knows our dealings. Every transfer document, agent fees, all information is recorded in their library. Our opponents don't know much about us, and it's not a fair dispute. So there. Phil Brown is back. He's the new Swindon Town manager. The lure of the playoffs and possible promotion was a big attraction for me, as was the sales pitch from the chairman. Lee Power outlined what he wants for the club and the ambition. Swindon, as a club, have been a sleeping giant for years now. They have a fantastic history with some great names to have played or managed here. Really? OK. Curtis Woodhouse, former Sheffield United player turned boxer, remarked on Twitter, Fair play to Swindon Town. They've gone against what everybody believes and given a man of colour a chance in management. Ouch. 
John Whitney is no more. The Walsall manager was sacked yesterday after a 2-0 defeat to Shrewsbury, though he probably wasn't sacked for that so much as the fact that Walsall haven't really bothered anyone this season, with the notable exception of Southend the other week, as Sadler's boss has been relieved of his duties with immediate effect, ending a 15-year association with the club. We thank John for his hard work, effort and service during his time at the club, but feel that a change in management is in the best interest of the football club at this stage. There you have it. Beating Southend does nothing for your job prospects. That was your news. Curtis Woodhouse is making a joke there, isn't he, about Phil Brown's Yes, being orange. Yeah, yeah, no one seemed to get that on Twitter no, at all. No, I don't think they did. But I know you did, dear listener. Wolverhampton Wanderers then, Caroline. Oh, it's all getting a bit feisty, isn't it? I love some of the quotes that came out from both sides of this. It started off on Twitter. Uh, then it's been escalated to letters and official emails and the like to the, the EFL. I think Wolves will be absolutely fine and will come out the other side of this. But the best line, and I was just um, struggling to, to find it actually is when Rajasani said, I want to do this because I want to learn how I can do it too. Oh. <laughs> brilliant. If you're going to take on the might of wolves and you think, well, maybe this is something that I don't agree with, then I'm just going to do it by flattery and say, actually, I quite like what you're doing. So can I have a go at it too? Which is bring good players in, maybe get someone in to manage that relationship between it. And I don't think the rules have ever clearly been set out. So that's a bit of clarification will help everyone. No, because it, it does sound like sour grapes from everyone else initially. And then there have been sort of suggestions that players might have been recruited for lower than their market value and might be being paid lower than their market mm. value. Um, at that point, you start to think, well, actually, maybe they have got a legitimate grievance. They're only suggestions, Ian. They that's are only suggestions. Really God, this is going to be a careful show. We've got Blackpool coming up later. I think the timing of it, though, uh, is interesting because obviously Radrizani uh, reacted to that 3-0 defeat to Wolves uh, midweek and uh, that didn't look brilliant, did it? Uh, tweeting uh, about Wolves' uh, benefits with George Mendes immediately after the game. But uh, now he's trying to explain his position a, a little more clearly. And Jeff Shear actually said that they'd had lunch together, didn't he, with, with Mendes mm-hmm. before. So the, perhaps they, they are do have a friendship and uh, Radrizani's now trying to step a little bit more carefully and... Like Caroline says, copy Wolves' methods. It, it's it's an interesting tactic, and it's the one teachers always play, isn't it, with kids, uh, to try and do that little bit of reverse psychology. I think that it, it's not undermining Wolves at the moment. If those that are trying to point towards it and say that's why Wolves occasionally are having a bit of a blip, Aston Villa were just, just great, weren't they, at the, uh, the weekend? So I don't think that's the, the reason behind it. But the clarity should help shift things around the league anyway. So it'll be interesting to see the official line that comes out the back of it. Absolutely, because we went through something similar with Watford, didn't we, when they were taking everybody on loan from their other companies and uh, and that got straightened out. So all for the greater good. That's a positive spin. We swept uh, that under the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Phil Brown is back at Swindon. Um, how's he going to do, Matt? Well, I, I, he sounds incredibly enthusiastic about the role, doesn't he? In I, his... I just want to go over those quotes again. A sleeping giant for years now. Fantastic history of some great names to play or manage there. He's, he's over-egging the pudding a little there, isn't he? I think he's probably justifying it to himself almost <laughs> that this is the right opportunity. But he is a brilliant appointment, I think, for Swindon, especially after that heavy defeat to Cheltenham the other day and Matt Taylor's one and only game in charge. And uh, Brown, he's been there, he's done it before. And like he says, it's a 10-game season now. 
Yeah, and in spite of the way it ended, he did do very well for Southend. Got him up from the fourth division, got him within a whisker of the playoffs um, not not long after that. Caroline, what, what do you make of Phil Brown? You've worked with him before. Interesting to see what he does with, with Matt Taylor after that, that full 90 minutes the other day and, and where he now sits. I know he's going to stay within his coaching setup, as he? he said. It's not long enough to try and change things like that. But if you want someone to galvanise, uh, so many calls on social media already for him to do the half-time team talk on the on the pitch. I think he's one of those that you're going to go and he's going to get fire in their bellies. And if it's just for that short period of time and they are so close to the playoffs too, then he could just do that that little lift for them to keep them through. I'm surprised uh, you haven't mentioned the fact that Chris Powell here of Southend is going to run the London Marathon. I saw that came out this week too. We mentioned it on the show, didn't we? We were talking about that in great oh, detail on I the listened. show some six I months ago. I listened. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Way ahead of the said, curve. He said that um, his training abilities that he's had with South End and what's happened over the past few weeks has made him desire and hunger to do better in the marathons. Well done, South End. Yeah, absolutely. We're not getting relegated. <laughs> well, doesn't look it anyway. Uh, neither at Walsall, but that didn't save John Whitney, Matt. Um, we were only talking about him. Was it last week? And saying, you know, young players coming through, all right, not a great season, but... We called it, we really called it, didn't we? The Total <laughs> Football League show, Angel of Death. But uh, I was reading a tweet from Alex Adie, a friend of the show. She said she was embarrassed to witness that performance against Shrewsbury the Oof. other day. And Shrewsbury obviously going well, but sounds like Walsall were dreadful in that 2-0 defeat. Oh, they battered us. Um, well, that's your news discussion. We're running out of time already. When we come back, Championship Roundup. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gamblerware.org and when the fun stops, stop. Championship Roundup then. A goalless draw with Nottingham Forest means it's seven games without a win for Derby County now, so I think it's fair to say that their traditional late-season choke is back in full effect. Six unbeaten for Forest, though, so it's just possible that Aitor Karanka will get that second season he wanted. Tony Pulis's second season at Middlesbrough could be in the Premier League. They beat Barnsley 3-1, they're firmly ensconced in the playoffs, and let's be honest, they're exactly the sort of side that could smash through the back doors. Fulham have got loftier aspirations than that, though. A last-minute Mitrovic winner keeps them in the hunt for automatic promotion. They're up to fourth. The Wolves' wobble continues. It's now one win in five games for the leaders, who were battered 4-1 by Aston Villa on Saturday. Steve Bruce's side are just seven points off top spot, with Cardiff also breathing down Wolves' necks. The Bluebirds survived a second-half fight back from Birmingham to win 3-2. Bristol City's malaise drifts through another week, though. They could only draw 0-0 with Burton to make it two wins in 13 matches. Millwall's 1-0 win over Brentford gives them the advantage in the 2018 London clubs he thought were going down but are actually doing really well mini-league, though QPR's 1-0 victory over woeful Sunderland does at least keep them in the conversation. The Mackhams were battered by Villa in midweek. They didn't have a shot on target here. They haven't won since January the 20th, and yet they're only four points adrift. That's because teams like Bolton keep drawing. Joe Crilly's 11 were at it again on Saturday, though this time they were grateful for a late equaliser that spared them the humiliation of defeat to Sheffield Wednesday. There were four penalties between Hull and Norwich as the Tigers eventually came away 4-3 winners in the game of the weekend. James Madison hit a hat-trick, including two from the spot, to give Norwich a 3-1 lead, before two Abel Hernandez penalties and a brilliant goal from Liverpool loanee Harry Wilson won it for Nigel Adkins' side. And if that doesn't get your juices flowing, how about a nil-nil draw between Ipswich and Sheffield United? 
that Mick McCarthy described as a right royal scrap. That could be the end of the pair's playoff hopes as Middlesbrough held on to sixth place with a 3-1 win over Barnsley. Hull City then, Caroline, we spoke about them about a month ago on here and I described them as a miserable, dried up, empty husk of what used to be a football club and I believe they were absolutely destined for relegation. And then they've gone and beaten Norwich. They're six points above the drop zone. Is Nigel Adkins going to get them out of this? Yes. All right, we'll move on. (laughs) (laughs) Hull exhibited a few, you know, nice touches on Saturday. They looked... All right. What you want is a bit of fight, don't you? And they've got a lot of fight. I mean, that fourth penalty, ridiculous. What was that for? <laughs> uh, but but to have someone score a hat-trick and be on the losing side, it had everything within it. I was looking at the games that they've got coming up. Um, by the time this goes out, they'll be playing Ipswich. I think that's a key game for them. They've got Birmingham. Then they've got Villa and Wolves. So if you discount Villa and Wolves, which I don't think you need to necessarily, I think, I think there could be something in either one of those. I actually look at Hull and think, They'll be okay. The, the problem the rest of the teams have got is they just keep losing, which sounds absolutely ridiculous statement to make. But no one's really losing ground as a result of that. And I just think Hull have got a bit of bite about them. Um, all that's happened for the fans too, I just kind of want them to stay up. I know we're going to talk Blackpool later, but when you feel like fans are up against it, you kind of want their team to do, to do well and actually give them something to, to smile about. Matt, um, so many things to look at with Hull's performance. I particularly like their nice line and reverse passes that they had going in the first half um, with Irvin and uh, the guy whose name I forgot when we were discussing this earlier. Harry Wilson. Harry Wilson. Yes, Harry Wilson looked bright and sparky. And uh, and Ola Aina from Chelsea, who was... He's a terrible fullback, but quite a good winger. Yeah, he's brilliant overlapping, isn't yeah. he, on, on the right-hand side with uh, Jared Bowen, obviously left-footed winger who likes to cut inside. He's got 12 goals this season, Bowen, and some absolute screamers earlier in the campaign as well. But I think, yeah, that front four played really well. They were great movement, like you say. Abel Hernandez making his first start since August as well after rupturing his Achilles. And he's you, the key. You feel, yeah, you feel a bit for Leonard Slutsky because losing him so early into his reign at Hull, that was probably what doomed him from the start and uh, Hernandez is actually Hull's second top scorer with six goals this season Mason. even though he's only played a handful of matches for them not forgetting the loss of one Ryan Mason as well you know England international they bought for 14 million when they're still in the Premier League I mean what yeah, a difference which, he'd have made oh massively definitely I mean having him in the centre midfield alongside Henriksen I mean Sebastian Larson's been uh, a brilliant player over the years uh, joining his time at Sunderland and Birmingham but uh, perhaps doesn't quite have the legs as much these days although he did a good job uh, at a base in midfield alongside Henriksen again at the weekend and I thought they both did very well to keep James Madison quiet actually the, the hat-trick aside of course yeah. <laughs> well I was thinking this as well I you know watch him carefully whenever I watch Norwich and all right, the the goal was brilliant, the one in open play with uh, Ola Aina as our <laughs> Jeff, Jeffrey Green fire engine going to the wrong fire. There you go, I've got to say it before you. And, um, and obviously well-taken penalties, but he was actually quite quiet, wasn't he? But he was still better than uh, their useless striker, Oliver. You Oliveira. can't say that. You can't say someone gets, I've seen him play scores much a hat-trick. Better. And they're, and they're, well, I mean, you can say that, clearly. <laughs> but that's all you need to do, isn't it? Score goals. Yeah, yeah. I demand more, Caroline. I don't know about you, but I demand more. A win. Uh, he was better than Oliveira, who was wretched again. 
Yeah, he was poor. I, I saw him uh, at Wolves the other week when Notch snatched that draw and uh, he came on and uh, I remember saying to Adam Bate, who I was sitting with, about how poor he was and he was uh, you know, playing terribly and you know, he's not as good as he thinks he is because he had a lot of questions over his attitude and then he went and cracked one in from 30 yards to get the equaliser at the last minute. <laughs> so don't, uh, don't believe uh, necessarily your first impressions of Oliveira. Joe Crilly from William Hill is here. Hello. Slightly late due to strange dreams about... Dimitar Berbatov. They're smoking. <laughs> not strange dreams, they're great dreams. <laughs> the best. <laughs> I, for one, could tell you Dimitar Berbatov dream stories. I would. Well, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds for Hull to get relegated? Uh, so Hull are 14 to 1 to go down, uh, which is 1 to 33 to stay up. I'm slightly put out about this um, because they're on the same points as Bolton and Bolton are 3 to 1. Uh, yeah. So I want to know what our compilers know that perhaps I don't. Uh, and I saw Hull play Bolton uh, over the festive period, and they were very good. Granted, they have improved in recent weeks, but um, yeah, 14 to 1. Uh, Hull City fans will fall about in peals of laughter at this, but uh, odds on them being a Premier League side again by 2020? <laughs> <laughs> um, I will give you 8 to 1. Listeners, when it comes to shaving, you value precision. And so do Harry's. They value precision so much that their blades are German-engineered. They value precision so much that their razor handle is non-slip with textured grip. And that's why I've just changed all my shaving products to Harry's. And you can too, by heading to harrys.com league. Harry's cucumber and aloe shave gel lathers into a luxurious foam, allowing those aforementioned German-engineered blades to glide across your face and their post-shave balm will leave you extra cool and fresher than ever. Because you listen to the Totally Football League show, you can get a special Harry's trial set delivered right to your door for just £3.95. What's in that trial set? Well, the handle, in your choice of blue, orange or green, a five-blade cartridge, the foaming shave gel and a travel blade cover. Well, if you don't love your first shave with Harry's, you'll get your money back. Find out more at harrys.com slash league. That's harrys.com slash league. Hey, should we play the fan league? There's a lot of championship games on the fan league slip. You'll know all about this if you play fan league. Download it from the app store, 13 games on it, and you pick home win, away win, or draw. Let's get cracking through these. These are, of course, the games for the weekend, not the games in midweek, just in case you get confused. Slightly harder to call, given that we won't have recent form, but that has never held us back in the past, and damn sure as hell won't do it today. Oh, it just went really weird. Leeds, Sheffield Wednesday. I reckon Sheffield Wednesday will win this. Can they both lose? <laughs> Probably. Um, Paul Heckenbottom, something about this doesn't sit right. There's no luck, not as much goodwill as you'd expect for a new manager. I can see this all going horribly wrong. He really needs to start working on more luck on the train, pitch, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously absolute stinker of an equaliser he conceded against Reading at the weekend. Uh, O'Kane sliding the ball into his own net. It's not really going well for Leeds, but I do think they'll give Heckenbottom time and he needs that transfer window in the summer really to bring in some of his own players and uh, shake up that squad. And I think maybe you're right. Maybe Sheffield Wednesday could get a bit of a surprise result here. Yeah, it's my upset of the week. Um, Sheffield Wednesday are awful away. Well, let, let it be our upset of the week. <laughs> can I, can I join you. in? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think Sheffield Wednesday will get oh. Nick a win. All right. Purely because, that, like you say, that, that draw at the weekend, both Reading, both Leeds out of form. I thought Leeds would win that one. All they right. didn't. 
An easier one, I suspect. Wolves against Burton. The run ends here, doesn't it? For Wolves? Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> wolves to beat Burton, Matt? Burton have better away form than Nottingham Forest than they won at Molyneux not so long ago. So yes, Matt. Surprising things can happen, Ian. I'm going for a Wolves win. All right. <laughs> Norwich against Reading. Ugh. Norwich home win? Yes. Matt? Oh, God. Nil-nil draw. Sunderland against Preston. Away win. I know we're supposed to be keeping this short, but you see that news this week that Sunderland are going to close the top tier of the Stadium mm. of Light. I just think pff, that's a, a real danger for Sunderland now, but still have huge support behind them. I think they're going to lose. They're going to do that to improve the atmosphere, though, Caroline. That's what they said. They're going to cl- close down half the stadium to improve the atmosphere. Keeping the away fans up there, though. Closing down the whole stadium might improve the atmosphere a little. Uh, yeah, Can I distance city, yeah. myself from that comment? <laughs> Birmingham Hull, I think Birmingham to win this. I watched Birmingham uh, against Middlesbrough. I thought they were much better than I'd seen them all season. Um, I reckon Gary Monk is going to turn it around and I reckon he's going to beat Hull and this will be the start. Has Gary Monk seen enough uh, to convince him that Birmingham can stay up? For sure. For sure Gary Monk's seen enough. Sorry, I just really enjoyed that post-match uh, quote from Gary Monk at the weekend. Um, <laughs> No, I'm going Did for a whole victory after on. their 4-3 win over, over Norwich. And Harry Wilson, what a player he looks on loan from Liverpool. Yeah, he does look like very we good. Like said, and uh, I think, uh, yeah, whole victory for this one. Caroline? We're talking about atmosphere. Gary Monk says he's got to make it a hostile place for teams to come. I don't think he's quite got that yet, and I think Hull will win it. Oof, just me who believes. Brentford, Middlesbrough. Um, Middlesbrough, all day long. Pulis has got them ticking over now. Eight goals in five games for Patrick Bamford and Adama Traore on fire as well. Brentford with that disappointing result the other day, so Middlesbrough win. Okay, Caroline? Yeah, Bamford changing positions, changing form, Middlesbrough win. All right, Bolton Villa. Sorry, Joe, I'm going Villa. I'm going for a draw. A draw? I'm going for Bolton to cause an upset here. Okay, Caroline? No apologies to Joe. Villa all the way. (laughs) Derby, Cardiff. Oh, Derby, seven without a win. It's happening again. Cardiff all the way. Cardiff and to close and close and close that top four at the moment gets even tighter Cardiff all the way no it ends here for Derby they're going to win what Bristol City (laughs) against Ipswich Um, Bristol City only two wins in 16 games in all competitions I'm going nil nil draw I think Bristol City will win because uh, one of those victories was uh, that 4-0 victory over Sheffield Wednesday so I think they still have something there don't they All right, Caroline I think after the royal scrap that Ipswich went through, wasn't that how he described it, Mick McCarthy? I think Bristol City will win this one. All right. When we come back, League One Roundup. Hello, Ollie Mann here. I do a bunch of podcasts, but here's one that I think you will definitely like. It's called The Modern Man. It's a pun on my name. It's also got loads of amazing guests that you won't hear anywhere else and advice to navigate this here modern world. They probably thought that we could build the next Facebook because they they knew so little about technology. It was a little bit like he was a phone book that had been ripped in half and so his buttocks were on the front. All you need is one headline in the sun. I emptied Santa's sacks (laughs) and my career is over. That's the modern man, M-A-N-N, with me, Ollie Mann. It's on Acast, Apple Podcasts and at modernman.co.uk. League One, then. 
Shrewsbury just will not let up. You all wrote them off ages ago and they keep winning. And this time, as we heard earlier, their 2-0 victory over Walsall took the Saddlers' manager down too. The Shrews are three points ahead of Wigan. They're in second, albeit having played two more games than Wigan. However, that won't be a problem if Wigan don't win their games in hand and they didn't win on Saturday. They were held 3 all at home by Scunthorpe and down at the bottom. Could we be seeing the first stirrings of a great escape? Rochdale beat Rotherham 1-0. It's their second win on the spin. They could do this. Bradford versus MK Dons was called off due to a waterlogged pitch, but AFC Wimbledon remain on dry land with a 2-1 win against Oxford. So want to better call the Coast Guard for sinking Seasiders Blackpool low. They're down to 17th after a 3-0 defeat to Blackburn. Steve Evans rides at dawn and hell rides with him. The new Peterborough manager oversaw an emphatic 4-1 victory against Cholton and the posh are only a point off the playoffs. Could Gillingham have a chance of sneaking in there too? Relegation candidates for much of the first half of the season. They beat Portsmouth 3-1 at Fratton Park and they're only five points off. That's it for Southend though. Their 0-0 draw with Doncaster officially signals an end to their unlikely challenge. Pal out! Northampton picked up a precious point at playoff chasing Bristol Rovers, while Oldham fought back from 2-0 down to draw with local rivals Bury in a battle at the bottom. And Fleetwood are yet to win under John Sheridan, after they were held 1-1 at home to Plymouth. Right, time to look at Blackpool. That's at this stage of the show that I'd like to remind you that I kind of own this company. And 15 years ago I was selling black bin bags and I do not want to go back to selling black bin bags. Caroline... We I'm think. putting nothing in a black bin lag. <laughs> bin lag? <laughs> I would like to remind you of the opportunities that await in a fully armed and operational Muddy Knees Media and the great and profitable future there is here for you. Matt, tell Caroline about the great and profitable future that awaits her. If we just stay in business. You get free bin bags for life. It's fantastic. Free bin bag for life. <laughs> what about cement? Let's, let's all get through this without getting sued. Blackpool Football Club was formed in 1887 out of the remnants of defunct local outfits Victoria FC and Blackpool St John's. They were founder members of the Lancashire League and they played at the Royal Palace Gardens, which is nice. They joined the second division in 1896 and they lost their first game 3-1 at home to Lincoln. They moved to Stanley Park for a short time, then back, then failed to be re-elected, then came back. And in the last days of 1899, they merged with Southshore, their local rivals, and subsequently moved to Bloomfield Road. They reached the top flight for the first time in 1930, lasted only three seasons, but then returned in 1937. They made a scorching start to the 1939-40 campaign. They won their first three games, went to the top of the table and technically stayed there for the next six years. After World War II had finished, Blackpool entered their golden age. Stan Mortensen joined in 1946 and the following year they picked up a 32-year-old winger from Stoke called Stanley Matthews. You're 32. Do you think you can make it for another couple of years? asked manager Joe Smith. Yes, yes he could. He was still there in 1961 at the age of 46. He'd won an FA Cup in that period, you may have heard of it, a 4-3 win over Joe Crilly's Bolton. But Blackpool were relegated in 1967, they bounced back up for a single season in 1970 and then fell away again in 71. In 78 they dropped to the third division, by 81 they were in the fourth... In 1986, the club was sold to one Owen Oyston for one single pound, and here ends the Blackpool history. So, Caroline, <laughs> treading carefully as the ice groans underneath your feet. <laughs> well, I, I, you say ice groaning, I'd probably be better describing the fiscal situation of Antarctica, wouldn't I, at the moment? It's 
difficult to go either way on Blackpool and say what's happening. However, what I will say, as with all these things, is the Blackpool fans and the supporters trust, everyone's stuck in the middle, trying to get communication out of their owners. I don't know if you've seen the, the petition that they've brought about. They're trying to get people to sign at the moment for an independent regulator in football to oversee the FA, to oversee the EFL. They want to have conversations. I know their, their local MP has written to the EFL too to try and see if he can be part of that conversation. The EFL have said in principle they'll meet with supporters groups. So those conversations are happening and going forward. But someone whose opinion mattered greatly to me is the late, great Jimmy Armfield. And when he spoke about what had happened to his beloved football club and you saw the emotion well in his eyes... That was the voice of the fans. That was the voice that's trying to get something out of this situation. And what do you do if you're a fan and you're stuck in this this vice-like grip, wanting something to happen? We felt like we we're at the stage where something was going to happen. Legally, something was going to happen. And yet they're stuck. They're just stuck in time in this place that no one wants to be in. Matt, it's just so bloody sad more than anything else. And they're in the playoffs last season and half the fans didn't want to go along. That's right. Um it's been an incredibly tough job for Gary Bowyer coming into that situation and it's almost not surprising to hear him talk about how uh, he sees himself perhaps taking a director football role at some stage in the future of his career because he's been doing everything, hasn't he, at that mm-hmm. club to uh, to manage the situation incredibly well, it has to be said. Um, there's perhaps been a little bit of a silver lining uh, in February when Owen Oyston uh, agreed to drop legal action against fans who'd been... Uh, sued for defamation um, and those fans that invaded the pitch in that final game of the season against Huddersfield in 2015 as well causing the match to be abandoned so that's perhaps uh, some encouragement really for the uh, Justice for Fans group uh, who've been campaigning to see that legal action um, ended and uh, it looks as if uh, it won't be enforced from now on but um, it's yeah it's a difficult situation I think we can cover some aspects of it can't we? Yeah, let's go over a few of those um, issues now because the Oysters have said that they want to sell the club now. Um, their hand forced a little bit when they lost a multi-million pound court battle with the Latvian investor, Valerie Bellicon. But the problem is the only investors coming in at the moment that we've heard about mm. are looking to buy the club but then rent the stadium to the Oysters. And this is something that uh, Christine Seddon, the Blackpool Supporters Trust, has protested vehemently about yeah and christine again another of those that speaks with such heart and passion about it we spoke last time i was on about the importance of your ground and and what you have as an asset there can you hang on to that and can you distance yourself the only way this club is going to move forward is if their past is removed i don't mean wiped out completely but you they they need a clean slate to it keep can't going. be any fun for the oysters now surely i mean on a day-to-day basis it must be miserable for them if it's a situation that they got themselves into which it clearly I, i'm not is. saying that's necessarily a bad thing i'm no, just saying no. that that surely would be a motivation to sell the club but it hasn't been in the past does it let's turn our attention then to the football team on the pitch matt you're at blackburn as they got well blown away um, Blackpool, 3 0. Uh, manager Gary Boyer said it was like a fight between men with pen knives and men with heavy artillery. Was that the case? Yeah, that was it. Uh, they didn't really do much stabbing either, Blackpool. Um, we basically relied on, on our attacking quality. It was pretty straightforward game. You, you, when you watched the tape back yourself, and you said to me it was men against boys, and I think Blackburn 
controlled the game. They didn't necessarily control the ball all stages, but very rarely did it look like Blackpool would get behind them. Although they did have Viv Solomon, Otterbore playing on the wing, uh, Birmingham Loney, and Sean Longstaff in midfield, another Loney from uh, from Newcastle. And both of those did pretty well, I thought. Uh, Solomon Otterbore testing uh, Blackburn fullback Derek Williams um, on the right side and he just didn't really have the end product. But we've got Adam Armstrong on loan as well from Newcastle and uh, he's been in brilliant form, seven goals in his last seven appearances and he's got an absolute screamer to, to settle the game at 2-0. You also uh, have former South End hero, the mini-messy Jack Payne, who was impressive throughout. Yeah, he was. He can be a little bit bullied, I think, though, as well, because he is... He's only four foot ten. Yeah, <laughs> some, someone behind me shouted, pass it to the dwarf at one stage, <laughs> uh, which I thought was particularly cruel. And uh, But he's a brilliantly technical footballer. And when he has the ball at his feet, him and Bradley Dak, they're, they're so good going forward and finding those little pockets of space. And I think Dak's perhaps a little bit stronger. He's quite good at holding off a man as well. And he got that header as well from the free kick to open the scoring. But... Uh, it yeah. could have been different. I mean, Nathan Delfonesso had quite the miss in the first half that might have changed the conversation a little. Nathan Delfonso. What did I say? Delfonesso. Oh, I prefer my version. Um, yeah, Nathan Delfonso, that's what he does though, isn't it? I mean, he, he's done that for <laughs> quite a few clubs over the years. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a career that didn't really work out the way that many people expected when he was breaking through Aston Villa. Joe Crilly from William Hill. Blackpool, they're 17th, so just on the look of the league table, they seem to be fine, but they're really not. They're only four points above the drop zone. Uh, what can we get on them to go down? They are 14-1 to 1 to go down, which is exactly the same price as Hull are. Um, right. But obviously, it, it looks like there's two places up for grabs, uh, or rather two places to avoid with Milton Keynes and Barry looking pretty much doomed. Rochdale on a, a bit of a resurgence and Fleetwood just under the relegation line there uh, with a lot of teams involved in the fight, perhaps maybe even up to Walsall. Give them their credit, MK Dons didn't lose this weekend. Game was postponed. Um, if you want to go to Blackpool, tickets can be acquired for £22. £10 for under-19s, so it's free for under-11s if they're junior seasiders and they turn up with a paying adult, all of which is good. Uh, you can drive, but don't expect to park at the stadium. There are, however, we are told, council-run pay-and-display car parks nearby. If you get in the train, Blackpool South is the closest, but trains are occasional at best. Blackpool North is frequently serviced, and that's about a 25-minute walk away from the stadium or seven minutes for producing. Producer Ben. When we come back, League Two Roundup. League Two then. No one will ever again utter the words Accrington Stanley. Who are they? Now the world shall know their name, for now they stand like a colossus atop the fourth division. And they did it by beating Luton Town away from home with a last minute Billy Key winner. Wickham missed out on a chance to close the gap. They could only draw one all with Cambridge. And there was a much-needed win for Newport County. They beat Yeovil 2-0 away from home to end a barren run of nine games without a win. Chesterfield are six points adrift of safety after throwing away the lead to lose 3-1 at home to Lincoln. While Coventry keep up with the Imps in the playoff race, thanks to a 1-0 win over Barnet. And Morecambe thought they'd ease their survival fears with a 90th-minute winner at Crawley, only to concede a last-gasp equaliser. New Mansfield boss David Flickcroft could only pick up a point on his debut. He got held by Colchester. Cheltenham's relegation worries must be banished now. They wallop Swindon 3-0 in their own backyard. 44 points is close to being enough, isn't it? Crew took one step closer to that tally. They drew 2-0 with Stevenage. Exeter remained in the top seven despite being held to a draw at home to Carlisle, while Notts County moved back into the top three with a 2-1 win at Forest Green. 
and Grimsby snatched a late equaliser at home to Port Vale in Michael Jolly's first game in charge. Morecambe then. Caroline, would you like to know all about the history of Morecambe? Without doubt, the one thing that I live life for. There you go. People who send mean reviews into iTunes. The history subject is popular. Right, I'll put the gun down. Morecambe were formed in 1920 and played in the Lancashire Combination League. They shared a ground with the local cricket club until the purchase of Rosebury Park by their president, Mr J.B. Christie. He actually bequeathed the ground to the club when he died in 1927 and it was called Christie Park because that seemed a nice way to say thank you. They stayed there until 2010, a period of history that had some highs, like the 1974 FA Trophy victory over Dartford, and some lows, like their 16-year run of bottom-half finishes in the Northern Premier Division from 1970 to 1986. They reached the conference in 1995. Sammy McElroy, who did so well for Macclesfield, arrived in 2005. And in 2007, they reached the Football League for the first time ever, going up via the playoffs after beating Exeter City. They reached the League Two playoffs in 2010. An extraordinary achievement, given the limitations. But for the rest of the time, manager Jim Bentley, at the helm since 2011, has been right up against it. And it's been no different this season, has it, Matt? No, not really. They're stuck in another relegation battle, and that was a... A bitter blow, wasn't it, against Crawley conceding uh, in the last minute after taking the lead in what was effectively the last minute as well. After all the celebrations as well, they they hit that vital goal. Um, The points could have taken them up as high as, I think, 18th. I think they would have gone above Yeovil. Did did Jim Bentley not stand on the touchline furiously pointing to his temple? That's what you're meant to do. Concentrate, lads. I even do that when I'm playing football manager. That's how how much of a requisite it is. yeah, in, in the very beginning of injury time, they go 1-0 up, celebrate wildly, um, and then they screw it all up right at the end. Yeah, from what I've seen of that game, it looked like Crawley definitely deserved the point. But <laughs> I went a bit. to uh, Morecambe's 1-0 defeat to Accrington last Tuesday, and I thought they played pretty well, to be honest. They, they were really organised. It was just a really clumsy challenge on Caden Jackson, uh, the Accrington striker who's been in great form this season, and uh, Billy Key dispatched a penalty, no problem, uh, ahead of what was uh, then a brilliant win for Accrington at the weekend as well, going down to Luton and uh, leapfrogging them at the top of the table. But they've got Greg Wilde, Morecambe, on loan from Plymouth, and he's probably their most exciting player. Uh, former Rangers youngster, he's got a couple of goals since joining, joining in January, and uh, he played particularly well away at Accrington. Uh, had a couple of decent efforts from from just outside the box. And then, obviously, the main man, Kevin Ellison, 39 years old now. Bit of a Marmite figure, uh, I, I was told by Accrington fans, actually. Uh, well, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't really told the uh, the positive sides of Kevin Ellison's character, it has to be honest. Uh, a lot of them seem to have uh, some sort of vendetta against him. But uh, still, at 39, scoring goals for Morecambe, bagged a couple in that uh, 4-2 victory at Wickham the other week. So they're going to rely on him quite heavily, I think, as, as well as... Uh, Loney Callum Lang, who they brought in in January, and uh, he scored uh, seven goals and 11 appearances so far. Caroline, you're director of Chumpton City. Are you still? Used to be. Used to be. Uh, Used to be. Now on the board at the National League, which is why I have a little bit of an affinity with Morecambe, clearly going up again through through the non-league pyramid. They are a side that have lived on the edge financially. Uh, And it was a brilliant story when the fans got together to pay his, his grand fine as well they, they are a club that the director I think this week has, has come out and said that we need to get more home support need to get more through because we are living financially on they've got on a nice edge. stadium though haven't they yeah he just says they need to fill it they need to get more people paying through the turnstiles which is right that for most clubs every club in fact so you want them to survive against that adversity and, and Bentley's one of those that, that I guess temple pointing and all is one that maybe can get more out of the players than perhaps 
they would otherwise get at other clubs. He, it's a hat-trick of clubs that have struggled with uh, ownership problems over the last years as well on today's Totally Football show, isn't it? Because obviously you've got the Alams in the situation at Hull, the Oysters at Blackpool, and then uh, Morecambe with their AWOL Brazilian businessman, Diego Lemos, who uh, bought that 82% share in the holding company back in September 2016, and then the club didn't hear from him for yeah. weeks and weeks and weeks. <laughs> and, what and do that, you do? Well, exactly, and Bentley had to work in those... Uh, those circumstances, and that's when the fans are paying is fine because the club didn't have a, a, a pot to uh, use. To collect money in? <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> BBC are in, and Matt's on best behaviour. Uh, Jim Bentley is, of course, the third longest-serving manager in the 92. Uh, six years and 303 days today. Um, two points if you can guess the other two people. I'm sure you can. Play along at home. John Coleman. Uh, no. no. No, obviously not. Service was split. Still. Paul Tisdale. Paul Tisdale is one. Thank you, Joe Crilly. And the other, come on, guys, Chris in the Dale. 92. <laughs> <laughs> it's Arsene Wenger. Oh, Arsene. oh, in the 92. In the 92. Oh. There you go. Screaming. Oh, he said 72, didn't he? No, I would not mislead you. Hey, there's a great piece on Jim Bentley on the set pieces, he says, with no interest at all. Um, in driving traffic in that direction um, uh, by Barry White. Not not that one, um, but it's a really good interview with Jim Bentley on the set pieces. Check that one out. If you want to go to Morecambe, you can get on the terraces for £16. There's concessions all over the place as well. Tenner for under 22s, a fiver if you're 11 to 17, and if you're under 11, it's free. Permit holders only at the stadium car park, but if you go over the railway bridge, I'm told you'll find lots of street parking opportunities. Uh, nearest station is Morecambe. It's about a 30-minute walk, but if you get the number six bus, it'll take you right to the turnstiles. Can Morecambe stay up? They should stay up, shouldn't they? They're good yeah. enough to stay up. Yeah, you, you fear that Chesterfield and Barnet are getting slightly cut adrift at the moment, and the odds reflect that. They're 4-11 to 11 and 2-5, to five respectively, to go down. Uh, and then there's a lot of teams around about the same uh, points total, um, and they are around about the same in the odds, and Morecambe are 8-1 to one to go down, so 1-16 to 16 to stay up. All right, then. Um, what about the accumulator on a totally football league show curse uh, Hull to get relegated from the championship Blackpool to get relegated from league one and Morecambe to get relegated from league two all at once it's quite big just over 2000 to 1 2024 to 1 should we mm. put a pound on yeah quite fancy uh, that if it had been 14 to 1 I would have done yeah <laughs> <laughs> TV games we've got four that concern us um, Fulham against QPR is a first one surely a nailed on home win yeah you'd have thought so just a, a shade over one to two Fulham are to win. They're six to ten. QPR four to one, and the draw fourteen to five. But six to ten looks like a great price. Uh, your own Bolton Wanderers have got the uh, unenviable uh, visit of Villa. Yeah, I'm not expecting much out of this one. Uh, Villa three to four to win the game. Bolton fifteen to four in the draw. Nine to four. Okay, Derby against Cardiff. Is Matt right? Are Derby going to turn it all around here? Well, the odds suggest they will. They're 11-8. to eight. I think our odds compilers have been underestimating Cardiff all season, though. They're 19-10, to 10, so nearly 2-1 to one to win this game with the they're draw 21-10. to 10. They're not the only ones. Uh, finally, in the FA Cup, uh, chances of Wigan overturning Southampton. Managerless Southampton, of course. Wigan 5-2 to two to uh, beat Southampton in 90 minutes. Uh, Southampton 23-20 to 20 in the draw, 9-4. to four. 
All right, we've been uh, checking through the mailbag. As always, you can always get in contact with us. You can email us, uh, hello at Muddy News Media, or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Jerry Pruitt did that, uh, sent us lots of lovely stuff about following Bristol Rovers from abroad and about artificial pitches. And uh, he said, in these days of massive TV deals, it seems incredible that there's insufficient money to trickle down to clubs to allow them to have a playing surface that enables them to pass a ball accurately. And for those clubs that do try to uh, install such a service, they're punished because it's not real grass. That's Jerry's tuppence worth. Um, However, our big job, you, dear listener, us here in the studio, is to help Will Gunter. He's a massive football fan from Minnesota and his wife uh, is expecting their first child. So congratulations, Will. He's not told anyone. Um, so he wanted everyone to find out here. So I feel I should have given it more ceremony and maybe had some background music. But, how uh, exciting. How exciting. Well, no, I mean, dad. that didn't sound genuine, but that was actually genuine. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be amazing. I love Minnesota, by the way. Oh. Some of us went there recently for the Super Bowl, oh, but we're did, not just dropping you? that one in. Yeah. Oh, it's cold. Like, kids, they say it changes your life. It does. It does. What, Minnesota or the Super Bowl? Kids, mainly. Oh. But. Yeah, anyway, he scheduled a 10-day trip with his brother um, to England um, and he says, here's where the Totally Football League show comes in. I've always loved the end of the season for the drama of the lower league playoffs, but I've never been able to have access to matches uh, throughout the season. Um, so what he's going to do is go over for 10 days, like his last burst of freedom before he becomes a dad, renting a car, driving about with his brother, and he wants to know recommendations. In this short 10-day period, who should he go and see? What's the ultimate lower league experience? Um, Joe Crilly, where would you send him? Would you send him to Bolton or, or, or do you like Will? Oh, God, no. No, no, no. Uh, I, you want to go to one of the old grounds, don't you? Like a Roots Hall. Yeah, Roots Hall, corrugated iron roofing. Yeah, or a, a Gillingham if you want to get rained on. I don't think we need to do that to Will. Caroline, <laughs> where would you send him? How's that Roots Hall pitch going to be by the time he gets here? <laughs> I don't know what it is right now. Which might back up the, the 3G argument. Yeah, yeah. He can come to Chelmsford City. We'll be in the playoffs come yeah. the end of the season. OK. Well, there you go, Will. There's a chance there. Matt, where would you would you send him to Blackburn? He's not going lower, lower league, is he, Caroline? I pardon. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't send him to Blackburn uh, because that would mean that he would have to probably spend a night there. Uh, I would <laughs> suggest going to AFC Wimbledon because I no- oh, yeah. noticed that he's also a football manager fan, so it ties in quite nicely. Yeah, that could work nicely. Let's try and get into AFC Wimbledon. I'd send him to Rochdale. I'd lovely time at Rochdale. Oh, with the uh, the DJ, the the pre-match uh, n- mid nineties indie B sides in spiral um, carpets. Yeah, in spiral carpets at Rochdale. Good pies. I'd, I'd send them up there. Producer Ben, where would you send them? I'd send them to Fulham. They out in London. Lovely ground. Loads of goals. Dear listener, we're looking to you to help us out and, and to help Will out. Uh, let us know where he should go, what's the ultimate lower league experience, and uh, we'll talk about it on the show. That is all we've got time for. Matt, thank you so much. Your sublime performance will be seen on the BBC Premier League show with Gabby Logan very soon. Oh, God. Caroline Barker, thank you for hanging around. I know you are supposed to run out of the studio five minutes ago. Your loyalty will be recognised. Can I delay it even further and say those that tweeted about Millwall and Neil Harris getting manager of... Manager? Manager. <laughs> I was doing that voice that you do when you're reading statements. Uh, Neil Harris getting manager of the season. I completely agree. Yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to, but what no, a performance no. from him so far this season. It's been extraordinary. I'm quite surprised he's not been linked with bigger jobs. I, I don't uh, mean, are you, you saying know, that Millwall's not a big whoa, enough whoa. job? Everyone put the knives down. We'll talk our way out of this. Joe Crilly, thank you for coming in. Thank you. And thank you, producer Ben. <laughs> thank you, dear listener. We'll see you next Tuesday.
The Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddyneesmedia.com.